Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the Finding God Podcast, my guest is Lori Herbert, and I met her in one of my podcasting groups. Lori has an awesome story to share about how she was able to find God while dealing with childhood trauma. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Lori. Hello, Lori. Welcome to the Finding God Podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am great. And thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate you being a guest on the show. I'm honored. (laughs) Okay, so I have a couple questions for you. Now, here's the number one question I ask every single one of my guests. And that question is, what was your childhood like? Uh, my childhood was abuse and trauma. Um, I, my spiritual gifts, I have discernment. And so growing up, one of those, you know, being able to know things I shouldn't know or see things that people don't understand. I was always told I was crazy and I couldn't know such things. And yeah. And so that gifting kind of got shoved down when I was younger because I just wanted someone to love me and, and I had an abusive father. And so you know, being told I was crazy and stupid and all these other things, just, yeah, not a good way to grow up. Mm -mm, Not at all. So how long did the abuse last? And was there ever a point when you were younger where maybe it stopped or did it last until you got older? Uh, It lasted until I got older. And the funny thing is, I didn't even know it was abuse until Mm -hmm. much older because I just thought that's just how, you know, I was to be treated. Like I thought there was something wrong with me that my dad couldn't love me. And so I blamed myself. Wow. And I get that. Cause I mean, if you've never seen anything else and this is the only environment you grew up in, like, well, how are you supposed to know it was supposed to be anything else? That makes sense. Exactly. Yep. So as a child, was God a part of your life? Did you guys go to church or? Uh, Yeah, we went to Catholic church mostly because of my, my father's parents. It was kind of like expectation that we're Catholics. (laughs) Um, so I went to a Catholic school through eighth grade. So we went to church every single day. Um, I, I knew God. I, I can't say that I knew him, knew him. Like I knew him. Yeah. I thought I knew him, but there's a, you know, as I grew, got older, there's a huge difference between knowing him and really knowing him. That is true. So as a kid, was there one thing maybe that you heard that gave you comfort knowing about God? 
I want to say was something that I heard, I, I would say was more his presence because, you know, having discernment and seeing the darkness, mm -hmm. there was always that knowledge of the light. Like I know, I knew that I was never fully alone. There was just this knowing inside of me. I'm not sure how to explain that. I like, I don't have a time where I didn't know God. Okay. That like I knew sense. he existed. Yeah. Like I knew he was there. It's really hard to not believe in him when you're seeing the other side. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So as you got older, you mentioned that um, the abuse didn't stop until you got to be older. So as you were getting older, going through your teenage years, with all the things that you were going through, like how did God fit into your life? What did you think about him? Because you had a lot of other things to think about at this point. So how did all of this work out for you? Uh, well, back then it was like, like I knew he existed, but again, I thought that was part of the thing, like there was something so wrong with me that even God was like, oops, I don't know where she came from. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't plan for her. Like, it was so ingrained in my head because I was told from day one that I wasn't wanted and I'm stupid and, and like all of these things. And so like, it was just this really heavy weight that I carried. And I guess at, at some points where I carried a lot of anger too towards God, because he's, you know, you do go to a church being told that he's this loving father, but in my head, father meant abuse and, yeah. um, so it was kind of a disconnect a little bit and a lot of anger towards why do you hate me? I carried for a long time. Yeah. So it was pretty much a lot of emotional abuse or was it physical at some point? It was, it was emotional. It was just being constantly told, you know, that I'm stupid and, and unwanted and unlovable and that I couldn't do anything right. And I would never mount anything. Yeah. It was just a constant words being spoken that I just started to believe. Okay. At what age did you realize that that wasn't true? Like what happened to make you realize that, okay, this is not true? Oh, it took a long time. <laughs> At this point, I was already a parent um, in a horrible marriage because again, you know, you get used to a certain feeling that you've like carried. So this abusive feeling of, you know, you just, you attract that back into your life because it's just familiar to you, even though you don't want it and you don't like it and you wish you could get rid of it until you actually acknowledge that what you're doing is supporting that. Like, so I kept the abuse going, even though I wasn't home anymore. Right. And it wasn't until um, my dad passed away suddenly that like my whole world just like shifted because he passed away. And then my husband decided while I was gone for his funeral and everything that that was a great time to leave <laughs> so I came oh, back wow. to yeah um just sitting there and I remember just being so mad at God there's like the anger was intense and I remember it was storming outside and I went outside and I'm yelling at him and my neighbors I don't know if they're paying any attention but they're probably like what is this crazy person doing outside yelling in a storm because it was like right on top of a thunder lightning yeah. booming and I'm just yelling at the sky, just sobbing. God, why do you hate me so much? Like, I just felt like he just hated me. And that's why my world just was what it was. And as soon as those words left my mouth, he immediately, he responded to me. And his response was, why do you hate you so much? And wow. I remember I, I just like froze and I just stopped crying. Cause I was like, first of all, you're like, he's talking to me. And I'm like, <laughs> but then what he said, just like in my soul knew that it was so true. It had nothing to do with about how anyone else felt about me. It was how I felt about me and I didn't like me. And yeah, that was like a huge shift for me in that moment. Like my whole world feel like a 380. <laughs> no, I can imagine. Cause I mean, it's, 
from listening to what you said, it was very sad that your dad died. Your husband left you all in the same time, which I think is a terrible mm-hmm. thing to do. Like you're already dealing with one thing. Why throw something else yeah. on you? But with all of that, it helped you to realize that you were probably being abused and you were in a situation that you didn't need to be in. And so it, and especially when you say you were talking to God and he was like, why do you hate yourself so much to help you realize that, oh, okay. So, you know, I should love myself and I should care about myself and everything. So after that happened, what else happened? What made, did you change? Like, what did you do next? It, what happened? It was a very slow progress, but yes, like my whole world started to shift because it was no longer about, um, oh, look at all these crappy things that are happening to me. It's like, how can I be different? How can I love myself the way that God is trying to tell me that I need to? And I started journaling with him and every night and I remember somebody asked me like how long did it take you to get over you know losing your dad and I'm like I cried probably like a good at least a good year every night you know as I went to work because I was going to school to be a teacher I worked full-time I was a parent full-time and I would just keep it together and then as soon as my daughter was tucked in bed and sleep in that's when I would write with God and I cried like for every night for like a year but it was um God was very methodical and what he would pull out. He would pull some one little thing out. It's almost like, you know, all the junk I kept pushing down, he would pull one of those out and we would look at it and he would tell me the truth and not what I was believing. And it was like, it was, it was a lot, but it took time to undo all of that that had, you know, been pushed down in all those years. But yeah. Yeah. And I get that because first you're dealing with several traumas on top of another then you had to go through the whole grief process and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that it did take some time. And it took like you taking out little pieces here and there. Because sometimes, especially if you've had like abuse as a child, it's and like you said earlier, it's hard to realize, hey, I'm being abused because that's all you see. So I can imagine maybe it was probably something like you just thought about something that happened. It's like, oh, that wasn't right. That was a form of abuse. So that was a form of something else. And it's something you probably just dealt with on a during that year, just working it out and talking to God about it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my, you know, because my degree is education. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a teacher, you have to have this, know the signs of abuse and trauma. And that's when I really was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is, it's, this is describing me. Yeah. <laughs> it was very eye opening um, and made me very like aware of others. Like I could feel that in them. I still can actually. Um, and I guess now I just have this like epiphany and like maybe that was part of God's plan is because I know what it looks like and I know what it feels like mm-hmm. that I recognize that in other people without them even telling me anything. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things, especially because I am, uh, I have a master's in counseling psychology and, you know, it's like some things you see and everything. Cause I know not people are probably not going to agree with this, but I think everyone's gotten spanked who are my age or older, you know, at some point oh, yeah. in their lives. But it's like now we're starting to see that maybe spanking's not the way to go because you are not really teaching a child not to do something. You're punishing them and making them feel like they have to hide it the next time. So mm-hmm. even with that, that could be, you know, and especially if, especially if people like overdid the abuse, spanking and beat their kids for a lot that could be abuse too and it's like back in the day no one thought thought about it no one realized it no one talked about it 
even the way children were treated back then, it was almost like second class citizens. Like you don't, you can't speak up. Mm-hmm. You don't have any rights. It's what I say, that's what goes. And then, you know, now we look at it and wonder why we have adults who can't express their feelings or why we have people mm-hmm. who are afraid to be who they are. It's because as children, during that time period, a lot of things were suppressed and kids were taught to be seen and not heard. And no one mm-hmm. told them how to actively deal with the emotions and talk and be okay emotionally. And I think that's the problem that a lot of people deal with because back then it was a whole different scenario, a whole different story. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I can't even remember thinking, uh, you know, like this isn't even like my home wasn't a safe, it wasn't a safe space. Right. And not only that wasn't mine because then you had them throwing back at it. Well, I pay all the bills, this is my stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like not only am I not wanted, but like I don't even belong, I don't have a place to be. Right. And so I don't think parents think about that when they're like, well, I pay for all the bills. So this isn't your home. So now you just told them, this isn't your home. Mm-hmm. Without yeah. thinking, you know, you don't even realize what you just said. You just told them they don't have a home because they don't pay the bills. Yeah, and kids take things to heartbeat, and they should, especially if that is being said to them. Like, kids are emotionally fragile because they're young. What you say means the world to them. They see us as Mm -hmm. these awesome people. And when we say things to kids, it really hurts them, and it has a long-lasting effect. Even if you apologize, you can't take those words back, and you can't take back how you made your child feel. So you made that's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Can I do it? And I told that as a teacher, too. I would teach my kids that. I would take something and I have them like crumple it all up. I'm like, okay, now make it nice and nice and neat like it was. And you can't. I said, that's what happens when you say things to people without, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about how it actually affects them. You can never take it back. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Because I remember when I was a kid, they did this little demonstration um, about squeezing all the toothpaste out of the toothpaste jar, (laughs) you know, the toothpaste tube and like, okay, put it back. And it's like, you can't. (laughs) So yeah, that's a good point. So once you were going through your divorce and you were spending that year talking to God and everything, at the end of that year, how did you feel about God? Oh, man. Nobody's asked me that one before. Closer. Like I said, like I knew him, but I was getting to know him on Mm -hmm. a different level. And I really believe that God, he shifts as we shift. He, He becomes what we need. So at that point, I think a lot of my life, it was easier to speak with Jesus because in, in my thinking that like he wasn't my father, he was my best friend. He mm-hmm. was my confidant. He was that person, you know, and I still to this day, people are like, what's your favorite place? And I'm like, in my head, I go sit on a bench with Jesus and we talk yeah. about whatever and his presence is right there. And so I think it's, he is what we need him to be in the moment that we need him. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I learned to love myself that it, I was able to think of God as of someone that really loved me and meant to create me. And I mean, that was something I had to undo that belief that even he made a mistake because God doesn't make mistakes. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> he, he is what we need when we need him to, you know, to be, but getting to know, and I think that was part of my thing too, is getting to know myself well enough to know what I needed. Do I need a father right now? Or sometimes I remember like for a long time, it was Jesus. And then it was a long time. Then I accepted having a father. God was my father. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I remember, I don't remember how many years ago it was. And I had like this aha moment of like, you know what? I like that. He's my father, but I want to have a God that can do miracles that can just do these amazing things. And so I started shifting like, wait a minute. (laughs) I want the woo. Yeah. No, I get it because I think I agree about the whole 
evolution when it comes to how we see God and how he evolves. Because when I was younger, he was a tyrant. I was afraid of him because he's going to destroy me, whatever. So then when I got a little bit older, he, you know, once I dealt with my daddy issues and everything, then I could see him as a father. And then, you know, that was a good place mm-hmm. to be. And now I'm at a point where, like you said, he's my God and he can do anything. He can do everything. So I don't have to be afraid to ask him about impossible things or talk to him about things that I want done or whatever. And it's not saying he's a genie in a box because we all know he's not. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have trust with God, you know that you can ask him for anything and he'll say yes or he'll say no. But whatever he decides is for your good. But you can talk to him and ask him for anything. And I think that's the whole thing because when I was a kid, it was more like you couldn't really ask God for a lot of, how can I put it? Okay, you can ask God for stuff that were like, he things people would think are okay to ask him for. Like if you need a food, you can ask him for that. Um, if you needed gas or money or something like that, you could ask him for that. But it was mm-hmm. always like praying, like, God, just give me enough to do this and give me enough for that. And it was almost like if you asked him for more than enough, it was seen as like an impossible thing to like, oh, you're being selfish or how are you going to ask God to give you more than what you need? Mm-hmm. But it's like when you think about it, like God wants to give us more than what we need. I don't think yeah. God wants us to be like, emotionally just dragging along so you can ask God for more strength than what you need more power more this more that and I think he wants to give us more than what we need but I've always Mm -hmm. just thought that just ask for just enough and I think when we ask for just enough we're limiting God because we're just saying oh God if you can please just give me just enough for this whatever Mm -hmm. instead of just saying God can you please give me everything I need bless me please help me you know like more than enough I think that's kind of where we put God in a box, like he'll just give you enough Mm -hmm. so that you keep coming back to him. But I think if you ask God for more than enough, it doesn't mean you're going to stop talking to him or being close to him or even seeking him because you have more than enough. It just means your relationship is going to get closer. It is building trust and confidence in God. Mm -hmm. So I think that it just evolves as you get closer to God and get to know him for who he is because I do think we put God in a box about what he can and can't do, what he will and what he won't do. And so we're afraid before we can even ask him for something, he won't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we block him. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy (laughs) because, yeah, Yeah. we do limit him. Yeah, and that's, I think, and it says in the Bible, he wants to give us exceedingly abundantly more. Yes, exceedingly, not just one, not just exceedingly, not just abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more. When you start mm-hmm. thinking about that, that's intense. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because we're meant, we're meant and designed and our purpose is to shine his light. And how can we shine his light if we're just barely getting by? Yes, yes, yes. That is so true. That is absolutely true. And I've, I always have thought like that. And it's like, now that I am getting closer to guys, like I think about that now, because it's like, if I'm stressed out about something in my life or whatever, then it's going to be difficult for me to... Mm-hmm show God's light and show his love because I'm too focused on my own problems. I don't have time to try to help somebody else or be a light to somebody else. If I'm having financial issues, if someone needs money, I can't help you because I'm broke too, you know? So I do Mm -hmm. think that God wants us to be his light and he wants us, like you said, to have exceedingly and abundantly more than what we can ever ask or think about so that we can help people and we can show God's love 
to other people without being so emotionally drained and stressed out. And I think God can give mm -hmm. us all of the things that we need. Because people think sometimes that when you pray for more, they, it, oh, they're just praying about money or they're just praying about that. But I think God wants us to ask for more in everything, like more strength, more help, you know, be emotionally healthy, physically healthy, all of these things. I think God wants us to ask him for all of these things so that we can be the best version of ourselves with his help so that people can see him in us. You know, it's not always about us. It's about them seeing God in us. And if God is all powerful, then why are we not asking him to help us and bless us so that we can show the world what God is like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what he can do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my God's a mighty God. So if they can't see amazing miracles happening around me where people are like really commenting on mm -hmm. like, how are you so calm or how are you so kind or how are you so loving? Like if they don't see that in us, then we're not bearing fruit like we're meant to. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times it's not so much about words. Like I could go out and tell people every day, hey, I'm a Christian. Look at me, whatever, whatever. I believe this or believe that. But if I'm not actually being a Christian and they cannot see God in me by my actions, by my words, you know, then I just feel like there's no need for me to go publicize. <laughs> yeah, really sign, hey, I'm a Christian because I think that people should be able to see that. They should be like, oh, there's something different about Kiana. You know, yes, she got upset, but she apologized and she tries to do that. You know, it should be mm -hmm. a difference that they see. And I don't think that it should be us constantly just throwing it down people's throat like, hey, I'm a Christian, because what's the point in having to tell people, but if they can't see it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Some of my favorite compliments have been like, one day someone told me, you're always so pleasant. Yeah. You're always so pleasant. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Like, cause I, like, I'm a believer. Like, I don't ever want to go back to what I was when I was younger. I don't want to live in that darkness. I mm -hmm. want to be in that light. And so, you know, having people come out and say that to me and then I'm like, yes, and I know what I'm doing that I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing if they're seeing kindness and love you know mm -hmm. coming from me so yeah no I agree because I was brought up thinking when I was a kid that we had to like win God's approval kind of it was almost like okay so God saved you but to prove that you're worth him dying on a cross for you you're gonna have to prove to him that mm -hmm. his death wasn't in vain and stuff and that is a difficult thing to do like if God has already given us a gift I don't have to constantly prove to him that I'm worthy because then it's almost like what's the point of having God if I can prove to him I can do it myself you know and I think that is kind of where I was kind of some of the things that I was taught and I realized that's not true you know that's not mm -hmm. how that is and so for me I agree like when it comes to I don't usually tell people I'm a Christian I never have even when I was younger I never did that it was more like I was like well if they can, you know, I prefer for them to see it. I don't want to be the person who's talking about how I'm a Christian and I'm like the meanest person ever. Like, I just rather you not know I know God if <laughs> my character right. is acting up. Like, I don't want to be a bad, I don't want to give him a bad reputation. So I'd rather just not say anything if yeah. I'm not going to show what his character is like. I know, like, for me the other day, I was at the gas station and the guy, I was buying something. The guy gave me too much money back. Now, old Kiana would have been like, oh, yeah, all right, great. I got this for cheap. But this time, like, without even me, without me even thinking about, oh, should I give this back? It just happened. I was like, hey, I was like, hey, you gave me too much. This is what you're, this is my change. So I took my dollar, gave him the rest of the money back, and that was it. And I didn't even think about it until I got in the car. And I was like, wow, that was easy to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have to think about 
Kiana, give it back. You know, you shouldn't do that. It wasn't like that. And there have been times when it was more like a struggle, like Kiana, gotta give it back. But it was just something that was easy to do. And so just the small things like that, I can see how God is working in my life because things that I once had to think about doing, you know, I was just doing it because it was quote unquote the right thing to do. I found myself Mm -hmm. just doing it without even thinking about whether this was right or not. It was just like, hey, here's your money back. (laughs) It gave me too much or whatever. And it's just small things like that that I see has helped me when it comes to, I guess for me, when it comes to having a relationship with God, things like that, I think is more sustainable because when I was focusing on Mm -hmm. the rules and what my, what a denomination believed and all kind of stuff, it was hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. It was very hard trying to be a Christian. But then once I stopped focusing on all that, it's like, listen, God knows I'm not perfect. But with that being said, of course, I'm not going to go out and do anything just on that excuse. But it's just like, God knows I'm not perfect. That's why he died for me. So I'm just going to ask him to help me to do the right thing and have a relationship with God. Because one thing I have noticed is that when you have a friendship with someone and you have a relationship with them, you automatically start doing things that they would do. Like I find myself sometimes saying things that my husband would say. And I, and that's just not even me, but we've been married so long, <laughs> we're together so much mm-hmm. until his personality kind of just rubs off on me. And I think that's how God wants it to be, because the more we talk to God, the more we hang around him, his character, mm-hmm. his personality will start rubbing off on us. Um, I remember, I don't know, it was like the story in the Bible where it's talk about Enoch and how he walked with God and stuff. And as a kid, I always thought that was so amazing that a person who was living on earth at the time could actually spend that much time with God. And so, but now that I understand this by having a relationship with God, I can see how Enoch could walk with God and how he could be close to God and how just being with God would help him in the way he acted, the way he talked, the way he treated people, you know, just small things Mm -hmm. like that, that we just take for granted when you're so busy focusing on religion and not focusing on that relationship with God. Yeah. And somebody asked me too, religion, like I don't specify any of that anymore. I'm like, I'm either you're a believer or you're not. Jesus didn't come down here and say, you need to be a Catholic or you need to be a Baptist. No, he was just talking about loving people, Mm -hmm. each other and not sinning and, and understanding where we come from. Yeah. We're all one. That's the thing. Everyone Mm -hmm. gets it all messed up and tries to separate us all by the specific religion that you call it. It's not what God wanted at all. I agree 100%. Totally true. Because I think when you focus on religion, like you're not focusing on getting a relationship with God. You're just marking off the boxes like, oh, I did this, mm-hmm. did that, I prayed, whatever. But if you have a relationship with God, you'll pray because you want to talk to him. You know, it takes on a whole different yep. meaning. You'll read the Bible because, hey, I just want to get to know him better. Instead of, okay, read my Bible for 10 minutes, mark that off the list. It's just a whole different yeah. experience. And I'm actually loving it, <laughs> you know? Absolutely yeah yeah especially when you i think and people have always asked me like wild journaling when they always ask me what's the one thing to do and i'm always going to say journaling and here's the thing about journaling it's not just about you saying god i want this and i want that and do right. this but it's listening it's taking the time and saying here god here's the pen in my hand tell me what you want me to know yeah there's a give and a take we tend to forget about the the give and take part we just like want 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 I don't realize that he wants more for us than what we're even asking for. And so yeah. until we get to really understand his heart, we can't understand ourselves. 
because we're made in his image. Mm-hmm. So the more you get to know him, the more you get to know yourself. And the more you know, get yourself, know yourself, you know him. Yeah. It's such a beautiful cycle. <laughs> so I'm always going to, and if anyone asks me, journal, start talking to him, start writing it down because you're not going to remember. You're not going to remember. I have decades. I've been doing journaling with God for since like 2010. Wow. And so, and I've kept all of it <laughs> and I have converted it to word because then I can just F, you know, control F and look for something specific because I can't remember. And I can look back five years, 10 years ago and read stuff and go, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. <laughs> he told me a decade ago and it's like applies now. It's so crazy how he works. His word is always working. Yes. No matter when he says it to you. That yeah. is true. And you kind of beat me to the question about if there was someone actively looking for God, what would you tell them to do? So I know you would tell them to journal. <laughs> And I get that, though, because I don't journal a lot. But what I do is I write down, like, prayer requests. And then when God answers, I say thank you. Or if I have questions I want to know, I'll write down my questions. (laughs) Be like, okay, God, now I want to know why did this happen? Or I could just be reading the Bible and something comes up. And I was just like, why did Mm -hmm. this happen? Like, why did this? Why did he do this? Why did she do this? Why did you tell them to do this? And, you know, it's just being able to ask him questions. And I like how you said it's not always about asking for things, but it's about furthering your relationship with God. And I like to think about mm-hmm. it like if we had a friend that we were trying to get to know, like, what questions would you ask them? Like, how are you? How is your day? You know, kind of like you said, the give and take that comes from mm-hmm. being in a relationship rather than just expressing our wants and needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, it has been awesome having you on the podcast and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to try to start journaling because it seems like an awesome thing to do. And since you said that is what you would tell someone to do if they're actively looking for God, in addition to journaling, do you have any other tips for them? Any other advice that you'd like to give to someone? Um, another, another little thing, there's two things. So morning and night. So every morning before you get up, before you start worrying about what all needs to be done, take that moment and ask God, like, what can I do for you today? What is something that doesn't cost me money? Like I have inside of me right now that I can do for you today. And then listen to what he says and then do that thing. And then at night, I always say, um, first of all, like thank him for the things that happened, but then also look at, you know, what miracles have I seen today? What did I see that was amazing today? Because when you start looking for miracles, the more you're going to see miracles because now you're expecting them. You're getting your focus to shifting to what is all these amazing things that's going on in my life because we so easily can be looking left and all this amazing stuff is over here on the right side. If we would just take a moment and go, what amazing things happen today? Yeah. And start writing it down. The more amazing things are going to start happening to you and you're going to go, whoa, this thing just happened. I got to tell people that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that because it kind of goes with the whole theory that you find what you're looking for. And so I love that. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for being a guest on the podcast. And I hope to hear more from you in the future. Thank you so much. (laughs) I absolutely love this interview with Lori because it shows how God can heal us from anything and everything that we have ever gone through in our lives. It is so amazing to hear Lori talk about. It was so amazing to hear how Lori talked about how God was able to reveal little details at a time about her past trauma and heal her a little bit at a time. 
I also love how Lori and I were able to talk about how God wants to give us more than what we could ever ask for or imagine. So if you find yourself stuck in an old way of thinking based on what you were taught, be encouraged and know that God loves you and what he has for you is for you and that he can give you more than what you can ever need, what you could ever ask for or even think of. Our artist of the week is the Interim Worship Band, and we are going to be listening to their single, To Be Free. Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, then I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. 
If you would like to get in contact with Lori, the interim worship band, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes. And all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you'd like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.